Is he the one that matters? I'm getting, the Lord is renewing my mind to that very fact. He is renewing my mind, my thoughts about that very fact that all that really matters is what he thinks. Can I have an amen on that? Mm. Praise God. Well, as uh, we finish up taking the offering, I'm going to start my message today with a video and hopefully this video will prepare you and prime you for the continuation of what last week's message uh, we're going to call this part two of, uh, of growing up so Phyllis if you wouldn't mind go ahead and roll the video I think we're done enough with the offering to go ahead and get moving Enjoy. the race. Don't race. That's ridiculous. All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Put your window down. You want something? Uh, he's probably drunk. You're going the wrong way. What? You're going the wrong way. He said we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. <laughs> what a moron. You're going in the wrong direction. You're going to kill somebody. goodness you're going the wrong way that'll start us off with a little humor today um, last week we talked about how um, the Lord uh, prophesied over this church last June when Denny Kramer was here it was uh, and how he had spoken over my life um, 
that, Eric, your leadership style needed to change and you need to become more confrontational. And uh, I challenged just last week in the Word of God is how, um, how, how teachable or how open are we to correction? How, how, uh, John Candy, isn't that his name? He's no longer around. Uh, as, as the guy was trying to tell him, hey, you're going the wrong way. Yeah, up yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, today I'm going to go into that message a little further because uh, really what I see is that the Lord has set us up for changes this year, changes in our hearts, and how, how easy is it for us to receive change? How is it easy is it for somebody to speak into your life? How easy is it for somebody to say, hey, you're going the wrong way, <laughs> Right? You're going the wrong way. And I really realized that that prophetic word was not just for me in that my leadership style needed to change, but it was also a statement about us as a congregation that God wanted to bring change, that God wants not only me to change, but he wants you to change. And not only does he want you to be correctable, he wants me to be correctable. Can I have an amen? He wants us all to be teachable. And so as I went last week, I, I began to show you guys a little bit of what that means. I want to make sure I got this all on. I think I do. Um, we're going to kind of just go over a few of the slides that we had last week, and then we're going to catapult into the, the message that's on my heart. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't, um, I've really not even been looking forward to this message because in this message, the Lord is, is changing me. And it's been painful. He's been dropping me hand grenades. He's been dropping me flak jackets. And, and, and he's been doing the same thing to you as he's been doing to me. And he's been requiring change in my heart and my mind. But what confronting is, we talked about last week, and I just want to briefly go to the bottom. Confronting in order to bring correction is what confrontation was all, all about. So when God prophesied over my life that I needed to become more confrontational, basically what he was saying is, Eric, I want you to change your leadership style to confront people and to bring correction. And it's like, because the prophetic word was because I want to clean people's lives up. I want to mature people. I want, to ch I want them to change the way they think. And so even this message or this word is kind of a journey I've been on for the last several months. Several months as I've been asking God what needs to change in me so that I do it the way you want me to do it. So that I am a man that can confront people, but I do it the way you want me to do it. Can I have an amen on that? And so I've, I've been going through this, this change, uh, this thing. He's dropping, like I said, things on me, and this word is for all of us. God says we all need to grow up and submit to changes and corrections that he wants to make in us as individuals, and he's bringing us all through boot camp and deliverance if we will go. And so last week I challenged you, are you really, you know, when that prophetic word was given over me, man, this place erupted, and everybody was going, yeah! He needs to change his leadership style. He needs to become more confrontational. He needs to take baby bottles away and put hand grenades in people. Yeah. Anybody remember that day? And everybody was so excited. And I say, are you really sure you want to do this? Because, I mean, there is a pit in my stomach when I think about it, to be honest with you. Because none of us like confrontation. None of us like correction. Is there anybody in this house that loves correction? 
Angela says she does. Terrence says she does. Okay. Well, the Bible says we are to love it. A man who heeds correction is wise, is what the Bible said. And we went to over several of those scriptures. I don't know why this is not advancing for me. There we go. He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores it, ignores correction, leads others astray. That's what we read last week. The other one in Proverbs. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> Another one in Proverbs. He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. Anybody who love poverty and shame? <laughs> but whoever heeds correction is honored. If you're not being honored, there might be that you're not correctable. <laughs> A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. That word prudence means you make wise choices. He who receives correction, he actually is prudent. He makes good choices in his life. Stern discipline awaits him who leaves the path. He who hates correction will die. Wow. I'm just reading the word of God, guys. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. He will not. A mocker will not ask for advice. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Isn't that good stuff? This is the word of the living God right here. This is good stuff. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. It really requires humility to before, before you can take correction. Is that not true? So what I want to do today is I want to go into uh, another passage here, and I want to begin to, to break down some things, because if we're going to move from being a consumer church or an immature church or a selfish church or... A me church, whatever you want to, to classify, it's not about us. All that really matters is what we just sang. But how many of us make it all about us? We do that pretty often, don't we? So we have to forsake our ways, our fortified thoughts, our, our, our habits, our control, our thinking, and we have to move into something different. So my question is today is, can you even say the word correction? Who can correct you? Is he the only one that can correct you? Authority? Okay, so can it be anybody besides authority? Parents? That's still authority. Friends? Spouse? Can anybody else correct you? How about somebody underneath me? How about somebody that is not a peer or above me, but what about somebody that maybe I lead? Can they correct you? Should anybody be able to correct you? <laughs> if it's truth, if it's truth. God uses his word to correct us. The word is so powerful. It, it brings correction, reproof. Rebuke, but people, God usually uses people. Everybody say ouch. And what we're going to dive into today is, is the word of the living God when it comes to um, how correct, not how we correct, 
But I want to go, because really what I, we, we say we're correctable, but we're really not. Because you know what? Most of you are jacked up right now in your relationships with somebody because you have a different opinion than they have. You're mad at somebody right now because you have a different opinion than they have. You have a different thought. And your relationships are strained, not just with church family, but your, your home, your extended family, the people at bosses, and all that kind of stuff. And it all revolves around you think differently. Think about it. And so what we do is we get angry in order to get our way, to get our opinion or our thought magnified. Or we either fight or flight. And most of us want to stay true to what we think is right. And we're very unbendable. Do you realize that? Most people are unbendable. So when I read those scriptures out of Proverbs, and there are more, there are many, where it says that I am to love correction, that I am to look for it, I'm not to ignore it, I'm actually supposed to go for it, and I'm supposed to ask for correction. Oh, and my birthday card today. In my birthday card today, my son Abraham wrote in there, because we had had a difference of opinion on Saturday. Where he was wanting to go one way and do one thing. It's the last home game, the baseball game, and we got this, and we got that. And I'm trying to support the youth ministry, and they're wanting to sell tickets for a dinner that's coming up, and they're wanting to, and all these things that have not been done yet, and I'm trying to train and teach and instruct my son on some things that need to be done this, that day. And he gets upset because my, my opinion is different than his opinion. Does anybody have that going on in their home? And so we had this conflict, and I said, fine, I'm going to go work out. You do whatever you want to do, because it doesn't matter what dad thinks. You just go do whatever you want to do. I wasn't mad, didn't slam the door, got in my truck, went to the Y, and got on a treadmill and went out to get some exercise, let some steam off. Because there was things, and I was, I, was, I was interceding and praying for my son, God. He's not teachable. He's not being correctable in this area of his life. And what I find that each of us, we are correctable in some areas of our life. Some areas we let people speak into, and there are some fortified areas where it's like, don't talk to me about my kids. I'll raise my kids, by God. <laughs> or the way you spend your money. Oh, you, that's my private area. Don't you talk about my money. And so I find that there's areas where we're correctable, we're teachable. There's areas where we allow people to speak in their life, and there are other areas where we are not. And so I was trying to speak into my son's life. So then he calls me from the baseball game. He says, wow, Dad, it's a doubleheader. Didn't know that. So uh, we're, I'm going to go out to eat lunch with uh, Stephen, and, and then we're going to go back to the ball game. And, and uh, uh, Okay. Sure, Abe, do whatever you want, buddy. 
There's no plans on this side of the, the fence. Do whatever you want, buddy. See ya. What, 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 what? We had an open houses to go to because people were graduating. We had some other things that needed to be taken to care of. You know, it's like, so, so he calls me back. Well, what, 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 what? I say, hey, it doesn't matter what I think, buddy. Just do what you want. He traps home. Well, what time are we leaving for the open house? Oh, no, first it was, I don't need to go to that open house, do I? No, not at all. You don't need to. We don't worry about honoring our home. We don't need to honor someone who's graduating. If you don't want to honor them, fine. You don't have to honor them. But wait until it comes your turn to be honored. We'll see how that feels when you have dishonor. Because in our home, we like to honor people. We like to put people before our agenda in our baseball game. We like to put other people. See, it's a different thought. It's a biblical thought. That's the way we're supposed to think. But if you don't want to think that way and you think you got your own happy meal, go for it. This is the way we do things in our home, but I guess you have your own opinion. Well, he comes home and he goes to the open house and he enjoys it with us because he's now feeling pretty convicted by the Spirit of God. But I went ahead and let him make his mistake. I wasn't cocky and arrogant. I said, okay, no problem. We'll see how that works for you later in your life. But then in my birthday card this morning, he said, no, Dad, I'm sorry. Please teach me. Please teach me. Slowly getting there. It's a process. But you know what I find out is we're all like teenagers. We're all like teenagers, and we're very selfish, and we want what we want. And we want to do our own agenda, and we're not really, really concerned about what is it that God wants. What is it He does really matter? And what matters is you need to begin to learn work ethic and selling tickets and raising money for the youth so that kids can go and do stuff and learn about Jesus. You need to have a work ethic where it's not about all fun and games. You need discipline in your life. And I know you all heard that story. I did not get pre-approved on that story. So you just keep that story between you and I. <laughs> Deal? Kids are wonderful sermon material. <laughs> and we laugh. And it's so easy to see it when Abraham's life and I share it. But you, let me turn the mirror on you. You are the same way. And we do not want authority speaking into our lives. We do not want bosses correcting us. We don't want it. When Charlene's at the thing and she says, no, two things of cream, not four. Quality of the, the cup of coffee is going to be bad. And the person who's being corrected on how it makes coffee, the walls go up, fork knocks. It's like, I just hate her. And the back door of the church is huge because you know why? People aren't correctable. 
Because as soon as I start to bring any type of correction or a different way of thinking, that you know what, the Bible might say this, and you may not be thinking in line with the Word of God. Have you ever considered this? And they get mad. And so I have been set up by Almighty God to make people mad. And it's like, I didn't sign up for this, Dad. And so I'm begging you, will you help me? I'm begging you, will you help me on this journey of changing the way I think and the way I see things so that not only is it me correcting, but I'm receiving and we're, we're working together to discover what does the living God say? How does he think? Because I don't know about you, but I need to find out what Jehovah thinks. And if my life does not line up with what the word of the living God says, I'm the one that needs to change, not him. But you know what we do is we justify our actions. And we twist the word of God and we twist everything so that it lines up with what we want to do. Okay. So, are you willing to dig in the Word of God today? I want to start attacking some things. And I want to begin to engage your will. And I believe the Spirit of God wants to begin to convict us of how we have had and we have lived with our own thoughts being higher than God's thoughts. Just like my son, the thought of having fun and entertainment and just having a blast that thought was higher than God's thought. So I want to take us to 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, man, go there. You might want to underline some things. This passage has been just, I've been chewing on it for several weeks. And um, as I set the stage, I tell you what I'll do, so you don't read it yet. I'm going to set the stage a little bit. This is the second letter. 2 Corinthians is the second letter. That, that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And Paul's authority and leadership was in question. Okay? He's in Macedonia up north, been there for quite a while, and he's been getting rumors about what's going on in the church in Corinth. And Paul is needing to bring some correction. He brought correction in the first book of 1 Corinthians. He brought correction, just like what we're talking about today. You know, uh, I hate to tell you this, the perfect church, the church of Acts, I'm sorry, it had problems. The church in Corinth, every church has problems. This church has problems because it involves you. And we have problems. And so until we reach eternity, there will be no perfect church. Until we reach eternity. And so even the church of Jesus' day and the apostles, it had issues. And Paul was coming, and he was bringing correction to them. And he was having to exert his authority that God had given him as an apostle over that church. 
And now he's coming to address them. And he's being questioned. His leadership and his authority is being questioned due to his suffering. Because many people felt like since Paul was in a suffering process, there was some, he was suffering. And he was being um, uh, persecuted in some deep ways. And because of his suffering, they said, ah, he's not really a true apostle. If he was a true apostle, all the blessing of the Lord would be on him and he wouldn't be going through this suffering. Does that sound common in our culture? That if you've got anything bad happening in your life, you must not be who you say you are? And so his authority was being questioned. And so he talks about it and he's, he addresses and Paul writes this letter to bring correction to their thinking. Everybody say correction to your thinking. God is wanting to bring correction to my thinking. Say that. God is wanting to bring correction to my thinking. I am not worried about hers right now. I'm not worried about yours right now. Say mine. Some of you guys are going to leave here today and say, boy, I wish Sister Susie would have been there today to hear that message. Or boy, I sure hope Charlie was listening. Everybody say me. me. All right. So Paul, in this passage, and if I was to go up even to verse 1, because we're starting at verse 3, in verse 1 he actually says, he starts first, he says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ I appeal to you. So first he comes in a spirit of gentleness and meekness. He says, I come to appeal to you. I come to bring correction. And he says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. What does? The weapons that we fight with have divine power to demolish, everybody say, strongholds. The weapons that you and I fight with, they have the power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. Everybody say, take captive. Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Hmm. Are you ready for this? Our weapons, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The strongholds that Paul is talking about here, the word stronghold literally means a fortified thought or argument. It's basically you defending your position. We're not talking about Satan. We're not talking about other people. We're talking about you and I have fortified thoughts. Thoughts that we have had 49 years. God is changing my fortified thoughts on what leadership should look like based upon the Word of God. 
a fortified thought. That word fortified literally means this. To protect your thoughts or to strengthen them against attack. Defensive military position. To resist. To strengthen mentally by building up walls. Every time I confront anybody, most of the time, the walls go up. And we protect the way we think. Chink, 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 chink. I was in a situation several weeks ago and several people began to share with somebody about what they felt the Word of God said about a certain thing and the person wasn't receiving it and they were going, chink, 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 chink. And they heard this much of it. And some of it was really good stuff. Because the fortified thoughts that that person had were being resisted and they were protecting them for themselves from the thought process of somebody else or the word of God. And they were saying, not listening. Have you ever met anybody that way? Put the mirror up in front of you and say, that's me. At times, certain areas of my life, right? So we have these fortified thoughts that this passage here says need to come down. These, we want to demolish these strongholds. We want to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we think, we don't do that, but we do, church. <laughs> we have fortified thoughts. The other argument, the word argument means your imaginations, your computations, your reasoning, your conceit, your thoughts, your natural instincts. See, your natural instinct, when you talk about your flesh nature, if someone disagrees with you, is to get angry and to get away from the relationship. Your natural instincts is to not listen. Your natural instincts is to resist. Do you guys realize this? And if we're going to change the way we think, we have to read Proverbs and say, I'm to love correction. Whoa, I need to listen to this person. I need to say, okay, maybe my thought process is wrong. What? Everybody say the word wrong. Have you ever thought you could be wrong? I've found that once or twice in my life, I've been wrong, haven't I, Karen? <laughs> Just a few times. One time I thought I was wrong, and I wasn't. And so I was, whew, I thought I was, but I really wasn't. <laughs> that was one of the two times that I was wrong, right? Yeah. No, I've got problems. I've got issues. Everybody, we've got issues, right? Every one of us. We have thoughts that need to be brought into correction. And so here's, if, if I even go back, I will do it. I got the ability to go back with this thing, right? We'll go way back to first week. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Yeah, we go. Confrontation is the act of confronting a situation between two people, two powers, or two ideas. 
to face hostility, defiance, or opposing opinions, to bring together for examination or comparison, to stand face-to-face. That's where I really challenged this last week, that you don't confront over text messages. You don't confront over email. Duh. No. Confrontation is face-to-face. Do the Word of God, right? So, when we have arguments with people, we have disagreements with people, Arguments is when we stay with our fortified thought. And we have to be realized that we have got to change our fortified thoughts. You just may not be correct. You just may not be. And I may not be either. And that's why when we, con- when we come together and we're in confrontation, we have to bring these imaginations, these computations, these re- the things that are going on in our mind, and we have to be really honest with each other. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm sensing. And we begin to examine the thoughts. And what the Bible says is we're to then bring it into what? Obedience to what? Christ. Bring every thought into captivity. Bring it into obedience. And you begin to bring, and we want to know what God thinks about it. So we bring these arguments. The other word was pretensions. The things you elevate over God's ways. Your attitudes, your thoughts, your behaviors, something you exalt to an elevated place. It's like candy. He was going down the road. He was going down the wrong road. He thought he was correct. He's going down the road. Hey, you're going the wrong way. He thought he was correct in his thinking. You guys are awful quiet on me. We're going to get to some good news. Oh, is there something else I wanted to share on that? So here's my question to you. Our goal is to bring every thought, every opinion, every calculation, every understanding that we think we have, everything where we think we're right, every human reasoning or natural instinct, and we're to bring it into light against the knowledge of God and his word. And then when we do that, we're then to make that thought obedient to what God says. How are you doing that in your life? I don't think people are doing it very well because I don't think they know what the Word of God says. I don't think most people read the Word of God. How in the world would I even know how to bring my thoughts into captivity if I'm not finding out what God says through his word, through his prophets, through his teachers, through his ministers, through other people, through Christians and Christian fellowship? How would I know if my thoughts are right? Something has to be higher than you. In our world, in our culture, now same-sex marriage, I'm sorry, it's not biblical. It's going to lead to destruction. Something has to be higher in our nation, in our culture, that is higher than your thoughts. Because your thoughts are strongholds. Your thoughts need renewed. Your thoughts need redeemed. Your thoughts are jacked. My thoughts are jacked. We just don't know how jacked they are because what we do is we compare ourselves to each other rather than the Word of God. Well, I'm not as jacked as she is because, man, when she overreacts, she gets angry. You know? 
Well, when that guy cut me off, at least I don't do what Gary Tower does. I don't know if he does it. I'm just joking. I better move on. But because we compare each other to each other, instead of in light of the Word of God and the knowledge of who He is, and because we spend so much of our day avoiding God rather than seeking Him and trying to find out that when I need to say something to my wife or I need to do something, I'm asking God, Lord, is this right? Or I'm asking someone else who's gone before me. So what are your fortified thoughts and your imaginations? What is your fortified thoughts that God's trying to bring correction? For me right now, it's my leadership. It's, it's how I confront. It's, it's how I believe. It's, it, he's confronting me. He's throwing these time bombs into my life. And he's showing me how much people's opinion has been so much more important to me than God's opinion. And I was on my front porch with my cup of coffee the other day, and I was just looking out over the city of Newcastle and praying and saying, God, help me. What do you want to show me? And man, I just started repenting. Tears started flowing. God, he just convicted me of how much other people's opinion means to me. And I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. You have been less. They have been more. God, forgive me. I mean, I was crying before the Lord. Because he's jacking with my thinking. And it's not that I don't respect people. It's not that I don't care about what you think. We have to be very concerned and put other people first from a standpoint of serving and laying our lives down. But it's when your opinion holds me back from doing God's opinion, that's crazy. And so I've had idols, and my thinking has got to change. What are your elevated attitudes and reasonings? <laughs> some of you got some attitudes, man. Whoo! Wow. Some of you got some behavior that is just not representative of Christ. It's like, you're going to treat me like that? I'd hate to see how you treat your spouse. What are your elevated opinions that you think are so right? What are the places in your thinking where you trust your own thoughts rather than trusting God's thoughts? I hope the Holy Spirit begins to deal with us today. Because I know I'm not the only one. Because as I throw you a hand grenade or I hand you a rifle, or I give you a flak jacket, and I take the baby bottle out of your mouth, and I know we're tired of that phrase, but God prophesied it, and I'm going to continue to declare it. But as I remove the baby bottle and I say, I'm not going to baby, that I'm not going to caress, that I'm not going to comfort, I'm going to give you a hand grenade. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be confronting your thoughts. I will be confronting your thoughts and trying to help you discover the thought of the Lord. What is it that the Word of God says? We're going to confront two powers. We're going to confront two th opinions. We're going to confront these things. And we're going to hold them in light of the Word of the living God. 
Not my opinion, not your opinion, not your thought, not my thought, but we're going to bring it into correction. And so to the drama queen, as you panic and make everything bigger in your imagination than it needs to be, I will confront you and challenge you to bring every thought and fear into captivity that causes you to overreact and bring stress and chaos to every situation in your family. Really? I will confront your thoughts, but I will ask, and I will be gentle, and I will say, how's that working for you? How's that thought working for you? To those who struggle with jealousy, I will confront you on your jealousy because we've had three prophetic words that there's jealousy in this house. And jealousy is you being selfish and making it about you. To the rejected, I will confront your thoughts. To the depressed, I will confront your thoughts. To the discouraged, I will confront your thoughts. To the angry person who can't get along with anybody, I will confront your thoughts. To the person who is not obeying God, I will confront your thoughts. Are you confrontable? How are you going to react if that happens? This past week, I've had a couple really good confrontations, and this week, I've had a couple bad ones. I actually had one man come up to me after we were done, and he said, Eric, I just want you to know you can speak into my life. And you can tell me anything you want because I need it. And I about started crying because that's very rare. And I said, thank you. And I said to him, and you can do the same to me, Pat Shevzak. If you see an area in my life that's out of whack and it's not in line with the word of God, will you please come to me in a spirit of gentleness and humility and will you say man there's an area that just it seems to be a little out of whack Eric can we examine that thought process I said you can do that to me but if you're going to come to me in anger in hostility do you really think you're going to help me succeed if I come to you in anger and hostility Am I going to help you succeed? Fort Knox. Chink, 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 chink. See, these pretensions, these things that elevate our mind over God's ways, these attitudes and behaviors, God says, I'm going to bring them down. And you know what? The congregation here may get smaller. but I'm going to obey the Lord. 
Because what I find is in boot camp, four out of ten only make it through boot camp. And the others take off. But if I'm going to obey the word of the living God that's been prophesied over us, I've got to come in alignment with his thoughts. And if I make a mistake in confronting you, give me some grace. Because I'm changing and I'm learning and I'm going to make mistakes. But I promise you, my heart's desire is to do it in gentleness. It's to do it with love because I am capable of the same thing. And I am not perfect. And we need each other to help each other. And I'm opening myself up to correction from you. And you need to open yourself up to correction from me. Can I have an amen on that? So we are going to confront two powers, two thoughts, two ideas, and we're going to bring them into subjectivity to Christ. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah. Proverbs 3, one of my foundational passages for my life, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Mm. Don't be wise in your own eyes. My friends, we've all been wise in our own eyes. We thought we're right. We've held the post. We have been like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. And we'll keep heading in front of those semis, and we'll think we're right. The first one, the Bible says in Proverbs, that to give his explanation of the events seems right at the time until questioned. But are you questionable? <laughs> Are you correct in your own eyes? Are you correctable? Do you receive correction from others? Are you defensive and critical when people share a different perspective? Do you really listen or do your walls go up? Here's some things I want to share with you. I know last week I talked about, I made it, are you coachable? Because everybody wants a coachable player, right? And here's where I want to go because we're going to take a test here in a little bit. I, oh my goodness, it's 12. <laughs> Golly, jeepers. <laughs> Forest, we got a problem. Oh my goodness. I've been talking too much. <laughs> gee, 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 yes, goodness. Okay, get your speed ears on. <laughs> God, I want us to get this. I believe we're such at a critical place as a church. It's like, gosh, if we don't get this, we're not going to fulfill our destiny. I don't think you can steward revival because you're not correctable. You can't be in authority until you're under authority. God tests you with this imperfect bonehead. I don't know why he put me here. I know it's stupid. <laughs> Can anyone speak into your life? Are you teachable? Some people lack teachability, not because they can't learn, just because they won't. 
I have met talented, intelligent people who are chronic underachievers because they will not be taught. Chronic underachievers. Our city of Newcastle is filled with underachievers because they're not teachable. They're not correctable. And I am looking for an army of people who will be achievers, who will say, I need correction. I need my paradigm changed. I need to find out what the word of the Lord says. But some people are not teachable because something always gets in the way. And it usually is wrapped up in their mindset, their attitude, their stinking thinking, and their past history of abuse. (laughs) They're often stubborn and fearful. They have non-negotiables or destructive attitudes and beliefs. They are periodically, (laughs) not always, I didn't use the word always, they are periodically arrogant and self-righteous. And they are often resentful of anyone who has a different belief or idea than them. They claim to be all about learning and growing as long as they are not challenged, as long as they're not confronted, as long as they are not corrected. If anyone questions them, they feel violated, criticized, and attacked. They switch to defensive mode, shutdown mode, Fort Knox mode, whatever you want to call it. And they begin to go on the attack. The wall goes up. Most people will not consider or even open themselves up to anything that makes them feel uncomfortable or puts into question a long-held belief. If we are going to mature and grow in our development as Christians, one of our biggest challenges as Christians is to open our mind and our spirit to new thoughts, new beliefs, and new paradigms of how God wants us to think. We've done that through financial peace. We've done that through loving kids on purpose. We've done that through some of our classes where we're challenging the way you think. What if your truth and your reality is actually what stops you from learning, growing, and fulfilling your potential? What if it's you, the way you think, is actually what's holding you back? See, none of us like to be wrong. We always want to blame it on somebody else. But what if you're at where you're at because of you? What if it's your fortified thoughts? What if it's these pretensions that you will not let go of? What if that's the reason you're where you're at? We really don't like to consider that we could be wrong, do we? I believe we're afraid to be wrong, and I believe we need to search out where we're wrong and ask for help and do the word of God and say, I love correction, I love discipline, I want it, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. I mean, Hebrews 12, 11 says, no, discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, ouch. But in time, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Trained by what? Discipline, instruction, correction. Anybody tracking with me? So if you are not open to being wrong, your relationships are going to suffer. Matter of fact, if you're not open to correction, you're going to be really lonely. And look at the relationships around you. Do you have any? Because to be honest with you, if you're not correctable and teachable, people will run from you. 
you're not attractive. And what you'll do is you'll blame it on everybody else. It's not a caring church. They don't care. You'll blame it on the situation. Hey, this, this, this. Instead, it's our own fortified thoughts that's causing it. Stepping on a lot of toes. I'm bringing a lot of correction. God, I don't want this. Can you use somebody else? Why'd you prophesy this? You knew what you were doing. The church is full of uncorrectable people who are judgmental, arrogant, and angry. My question is, is are you one of them? Grow up, grow up, grow up. It's time to mature. And it's time to be an army who listens to its commanding officer. Years ago, God prophesied we were to be a horse, and he was, we, he was going to be like a reins. He, was, he would just barely tug on the rope, and we would turn. You know, that comes through discipline. If you go to the army, they break your will, they break your opinion, they break everything about you. And they get you to listen to your commanding officer. And if you don't make it, guess where you'll be? Out the door. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to get be a Mr. Control Freak. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bark orders and make you do anything that you don't want to do. Because that's not who I am. That's not who Jesus is. That's not what he does to me. He doesn't make me obey him. He, he, he allows me to love him. And you're going to get an opportunity to love me and me love you. And you do it with us, with each other in the congregation. So here's what I want to do. We're going to take a test. We have to be willing to step out of my own self-limiting beliefs, my past my personal stuff, as long as I am a slave to insecurities and all that stuff, I won't get there. But here's going to be some questions that I want you to ask yourself, and we're going to finish this. And we're going to, I don't think you'll be able to write the questions down. But this is from John Maxwell, who is a leader on, um, uh, in leadership. And he, this is his test that he gives people to find out if they're correctable or teachable. Now, I want you to do this for me. You can look at these questions, but you don't just go, eh. Are you wise in your own eyes? Are you correctable? You, oh, that's not where we're going. There we go, the confrontable test. Am I open to other people's ideas? Are you? If I was to come to you and I would say, have you ever thought, I don't, gosh, I don't even know what example to use. Give me one. But if I said something, if I asked you a question, does defensiveness rise up or are you really open? Are you open to ideas? Here's a big one. Do I listen more than I talk? I have literally been on the phone before. This is hilarious. My wife could attest. And I'm listening, but I ain't saying a word. They haven't called to ask for help. They've called to vent. And my wife will say, who are you talking to? You don't want to know. And literally, there was no correction. There was no wisdom ever given. It was just talk, 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 talk. 
Do you do more listening or more talking? Am I open to changing my opinion based upon new information? I have found people, they will hang their hat. No, that is blue. No, I'm telling you, that is blue. That is blue. Now, let me show you the color sheet here. This is, this is blue. This is turquoise. What is, is that turquoise? <laughs> teal. It's a Jeff Teal. It's teal. People will stay on blue. Because of stubbornness and pride. Can I really listen to new information from others or am I thinking about what I'm going to say next to convince you of my idea? I have seen it, man. I can see the gears turning. I'm talking and talking about where we're going. And the gears are turning. It's like they are not even listening to me. They're worried about their idea, their opinion, what they're getting ready to say. Are you like that too? Do I really admit when I'm wrong? Can I say, I am wrong? I have found very few people that can do that. Or if they do it, they do it out of anger. They get so mad when they're wrong. Do I get mad when I am wrong or, like, or look like I am wrong? How is it whenever you look wrong? Do you have to defend yourself and prove that you're not wrong? If you are, you're not teachable. You're not correctable. Because you know what? You need to be able to go, hey... I may be wrong. Who knows? I'm not going to defend myself. That's the attitude of Christ. Did he defend himself? Do I feel stupid when I'm wrong? See, I've learned something. When I'm wrong, it creates an opportunity to learn. When I'm wrong, it's like, hmm, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Do I observe before acting on a situation or am I quick to react? Am I calm and observe everything before I speak or am I just like <laughs> giving my opinion so fast? Here's another one. I didn't even put it on here. Is are you really concerned if the person that you're talking to is even receiving from you or not? Are you just going to keep giving your opinion whether they're listening or not? You might not be correctable or teachable. Do I ask more questions or make more statements of my opinion? You guys act like this might be hitting home. You're laughing and giggling. I knew it was John. John should have been here today. I know it. John should have been here today. Am I willing to ask questions that expose my ignorance? I used to not be able to do that. I would cloak my ignorance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Alan Sexton was over yesterday working on my sensory and he pulled out this part and he said, Do you, you know what this capacitor does? I'm like, dude, do I look like I'm smart? I have no clue what that is. He began to explain how it stores power. It's like, wow. He said, you could get shocked if you didn't do this to it. I felt like I was back to the future with that, in that movie. Computers. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know a thing about it. Here you go. But when it's more personal, can you show your ignorance when it comes to finances? Man, I was in the bank, man. Most people are stupid. 
Hey, you joke, man. I had somebody pay me $15,000 in overdraft charges in one year. That's stupid. They made good money, and they were in overdraft every day of the week. Can everybody say with me? That's stupid. He who does not heed correction is stupid. And I brought him in my office, and I said, dude, I need to instruct you. I need to help you. You should not be paying this bank $15,000. Guess what he did? He changed banks. He was uncorrectable, unteachable. Are you willing to show your ignorance when it comes to your finances, to the way you raise your kids when your kids are out of control and somebody wants to help you because it shouldn't be that they're out of control? Can somebody say amen? amen. Dear God, my wife has to treat some of these kids like heathens. I'm sorry. Are you correctable when it comes to your children? Are you willing to expose your ignorance where maybe I don't know what I thought I knew? Maybe I need to ask somebody that has a track record of healthy children. If I'm not going to read the Word of God myself, I need to find somebody that has. <laughs> Brain scientists, you know. If I'm not being able to make my payments and my bills, I might find someone in this congregation who actually knows how to pay their bills. And then if I'm correctable, I might actually get on a budget where I tell myself, no. Oh, righteous thought, huh? This is 101. I know this is simple stuff, but are you correctable? Are you teachable? Am I open to doing things that I have not done before? Can I allow others to give me direction or instruction? I find not many people are. Do I act defensively when criticized, or do I listen openly for the truth about it? So how'd you do? <laughs> How's that working for you? I'm going to ask for some authority. I'm going to ask you, if I can start speaking into your life. And I want to ask you, will you allow other imperfect people just like me to start speaking into your life? Because I promise you, church, I will prophesy before the Lord. You'll close the doors down of this church if you don't. I will go back to business. And I can make a whole lot more money. And a whole lot less pain. If the army of God is not going to become an army of God. But there is a prophetic mandate upon this congregation. And we're a bunch of lazy, spoilt brats. That want our way over what God's ways are. And there's going to be some people leave this congregation because they don't like correction. And God will bring raw recruits in who will listen and who will be trainable and who will be teachable. 
and it will go way out and others will come in if we hold fast to our prophetic word. He who loves correction is wise. He who heeds it is honored. He who loves it is, he brings life. He who has it is prudent. He who has it gets understanding. He who has it brings humility. He who does not, it leads others astray. He who does not love correction is stupid. He who does not love correction is dishonored. He who does not love correction goes to poverty and shame. He who does not want it will have trials. He who does not want it will die. He who does not want it will not ask for counsel. Proverbs 5.12 says this, You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Oh God, will you help us? I want to show one last video. And as we show this video, it's going to move your heart. And I pray it convicts you of how you have been unteachable and uncorrectable. And I pray it leads you to repentance. Because repentance is turning and changing the way you think. This man, had, 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 had it's through fireproof, and he had blamed his wife. He had accused her. You saw part of the video last week. And this part of the video is when he's correctable. And he's teachable. And he allowed his dad to speak into his life. He had let his dad give him the love dare. And he started doing the love dare for his wife. And he started to be correctable by the word of God and by his own natural dad. And his life changed. And I pray, these altars are going to be open. I'm not going to address you after this video. You can leave, go back to the dinner. Or you can get in your seats and bow and pray and ask God, correct me, Lord. But I want to ask you, come to a decision today on whether you're going to be correctable and teachable. The altars are going to be open, but let's listen to this video. And after that, the service will be dismissed. I have learned you never leave your partner especially in a fire. Caleb, what's happened to you? Dad asked me if there was anything in me that wanted to save our marriage. And then he gave me something. Um, I, I could let you read it. Was it this? How long have you known? I found it yesterday. So what day are you on? Forty-three. Uh, There's only forty. Who says I have to stop? You didn't want to do this at first, did you? No. But halfway through, I realized that I did not understand what love was. 
And once I understood that, I wanted to do it. Caleb, I want to believe that this is real. But I am not ready to say that I trust you again. I understand that. But whether you ever reach that point or not, I need you to understand something. I am sorry. I have been so selfish. For the past seven years, I have trampled on you with my words and with my actions. I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you that I have never had before. And I have asked him to forgive me. And I am hoping, I am praying that somehow you would be able to forgive me too. put on some music. The reason I'm so emotional is what he did to his wife. I've done to the Lord. Every one of us have. And I've put other things before the Lord in his opinion and his thoughts. And I thank God that he is willing to correct us, aren't you? He corrects those he loves. And I pray that you will repent before the Lord in your own heart. Just pray right now. Seek the Lord. Allow the Spirit of God to change your mind. You think you're so right. Until questioned. Father, I ask that you would forgive us and advance this army for the furthering of your kingdom. Will you deal with each person's heart individually of how they've inflated their own opinions over yours? And may we truly come as a people to repentance and godly sorrow so that we start acting like you and start loving like you 
and start forming our opinions with yours. For it is in Jesus' name I pray.